Corn Trail, Five Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. Hey. Welcome to episode 197, second part of our Michael Shannon September season. Today we will be covering Midnight Special and The Shape of Water. Yeah. A little bit of a double review. Now, since we're going to be doing two films, we may as well just get right into it. Yeah. Let's not play around. Uh, I'll start since my film came out first. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Special, written and directed by Jeff Nichols. He is uh, the director of films such as Mud with... Matthew McConaughey. And Take Shelter. Yeah. Another Michael Shannon and I think it was Jessica Chastain. Yeah, I read the cast for that. Mm-hmm. So, the film stars Michael Shannon as Roy, Joe Egerton as Lucas, Kirsten Dunst as Sarah, Adam Driver as Paul Sivier, Jaden Liberher as Alton. Plots this film, Mike, is a father and son go on the run pursued by the government and a cult drawn to the child's special powers. Alright. Have you heard of this film before? I have heard it. I've I've no looked a lot into it. I know it's on I know it's on Netflix. Yes it is. I've kinda of always been you know, You'll get around to it. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Mm-hmm. It's on my watch list and uh, like every time I think about it I always think of Super Eight. Yes, it does look like that. It does have that feel, especially like that artwork to it all does really have that, that like a period sci-fi feel to it. Yeah. Um, it was a first time watch for me. Yeah. And I was, it was a decent little film. I wasn't completely blown away with it, but it just gets up and goes for the very beginning. Like the the film starts with, um, I think you had Michael Shannon sitting loading the gun. You had Joe Egerton. Like doing the same, that they're all in like a motel room where they've used cardboard and black to all the windows. And then we've just got the wee Lottie sitting between two beds, wearing like bed sheets over his head. He's got goggles over his eyes, and he's just sitting reading superhero comic books. But the TV's on in the background, and it's got like Shannon's face on it, saying "Nationwide manhunt," blah blah blah. And this man's abducted a child, and in the film, Michael Shannon's character Roy is the the biological father to uh, Alton. And uh, Lucas is like a a state trooper who was his childhood friend, but he's joined their side to help get uh, yeah. Alton out of the country. Uh, it, like his destination's unknown at that time, but the boy has some special powers. It's it's strange. The whole thing with he's sensitive to light, so the boy's only ever up at night. Yeah. Um, so if he's out in the daylight, he's, he's like in agony, he's screaming. Um, but he has like a I can only describe his special powers as a light. He could if he takes off his goggles is is like a beam in white light and it's like that type of thing where if he makes eye contact with somebody with the beam in white light, that person is like in ecstasy. Like whatever he shows them through that powerful white light, yeah. They're convinced that boy could do no wrong, that boy is special, that boy has it and could I get another chance to have a look in his eyes? Yeah. So they kind of get that that wee creepy mentality of like, it's almost like the ring for Lord of the Rings. Like when they uh, have one shot, they kind of want another shot. 
could I get could I talk yeah. to him for a minute? And Michael Shannon's character is just so fucking against anyone coming near his child, yeah. anyone trying to take his child. And Kirsten Dunst is the like the mother of the child. But mm. the interesting thing about it is the all the different factors, like all the different people that are after him. Because there's a there's a cult cried the ranch. Oh, the, the they all belong in the ranch. It's like a almost like a Westboro Baptist church. There's just all these families living on this ranch, and they all live like listen to this pastor, and he's just reciting these lines that uh, Alton fed to him. And the interesting thing about these lines, because he would just quote numbers, and the the pastor would just think these are all just quotes for the Bible, like these are all just numbers of passages. But the FBI know these are numbers that have been sent or coordinates have been sent over restricted radio airwaves. Yeah. And the fact that they know these numbers knows that you're, they're breaking national security. And that's where you get Adam Driver. He is a, like a, a contact for, from na- the national security uh. agency. So he's there to find out why they know this information. So mm. they start fucking interviewing everyone on the ranch. But before they do that, two characters, two people that work there kind of get sent out in the field to go and retrieve Alton because this boy's their saviour. They they need the child. This child can talk to God because he has these moments where it's like he talks in tongues. Aye. There's a moment where they're driving in a truck going and he starts speaking Spanish. His head just fucking looks upright to the ceiling and starts just spouting Spanish and Joe Egerton's freaked out and Michael Shannon's like, it's nothing, watch. Turns on the radio starts cycling through the channels and eventually finds the Spanish channel and the lorry's just picked up a radio frequency. You just repeat exactly what's on the radio. Ah, right. So that's the whole thing about him picking up the government, like, ah, the information. So he could also spell like, secrets ah, and stuff. So we're talking in tongues, they think he's talking for God, but he's spelling out government secrets. Ah, right. So that attracts the FBI trying to find this child because how does he know this stuff? Uh, it seems like it's got a... Like a, a I feel a Mercury Rising. Yes, I. With Bruce Willis, that when like the real laddie cracks like the government code. Exactly. And so it's like the FBI or something or mm-hmm. like CIA that like look for him. Exactly. So, and this one's just kind of got that added extra to the fact that there's like a cult following him. Yeah. And the two guys that they send to retrieve him are like will retrieve him by like any means necessary. There's a a shootout sequence in a fucking motel that just comes out of nowhere. Hmm. it's the usual like they've all camped out overnight in this motel blacked out all the windows and they're ready to take him out like get him to the van and go to the next location and when they open the door fucking Michael Shannon gets hit with like a shotgun blast to the fucking shoulder but what you learn is they, they're prepared they're all wearing like bulletproof like Kevlar vests and bulletproof vests so they find because yeah. at first I thought holy shit they've just killed him but the Fockfulist Church are just wielding pump-action shotguns and are just fucking just <laughs> just bang, bang, bang. The door shut, bang. That, that door's unlocked. You could have just opened it, pal. You didn't need to use the shotgun. Yeah. So they all go and it's like as soon as they finish with the shotguns, shotguns, they're out with cable ties and all these fucking cable ties. Like, you to the railing, you to the floor. Kirsten Dunst gets fucking caught up on the like, uh, it's like a, like a hand railing in a shower. So they fucking tie her to that and they just fucking grab the boy and you're just... It's one of those things that... I was watching the film and I, I, was, I was getting tired. I had like a wee coffee just to kind of stay on edge. 
But I was that relaxed. And then for them just to kind of come out of nowhere, I was like, holy fuck. And just wait shut. Ah, he's like, Jesus Christ. Because it was just out of nowhere that they just fucking showed up, fucking dismantled everybody and took the boy. And you're just like, fucking hell. And you're just thinking, obviously, Michael Shannon is like trying to rip railings out the fucking concrete. He's that fucking angry. He's like ready to hulk out and get his boy back. So it's like one of those films, like, it's great. As an example, uh, it's like this is one of those rare opportunities where Michael Shannon is your lead actor. Yeah. It's not a role he gets often. And we see yeah. that because the boy has a huge body of work, but he's always this great supporting character. Uh, it's so rare for him to be the lead. So these are one of these examples where he fucking shines in a leading role. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver has a nice part in it. As we uh, said, he's like this. Like when you were rattling off the, what, the cast list and like the folk that were after him, I was kind of like envisioning like fucking him leading that cult. Aye, he's surprisingly, like, you could see him do that role easily, but he's just like this, almost just like an analyst comes in, he's got all his files, all his paperwork up to his chin, sits down and says, right, okay, tell me what you know about this kid. And he gets these great scenes later on where he gets like a one-on-one interview with a child where like the FBI have him and there's like 20 people in in the room where it's like the two-way mirrors. So the wee Lottie's sat there on his own. And then behind the glass, there's 20 people. There's a whole fucking audience. They may as well be eating popcorn, mm. watching, just waiting to see what happens next. And the wee Lonnie's like, I want to talk to Paul. And Paul's in the background. It's like this woman from some counselling agency that's trying to talk to him, being awfully polite. Is I want to talk to Paul, who's the lead operator of fucking X, Y, and Z. And Paul's in the background. Like, Adam Driver's like, they just gave me that job title like two minutes ago. How the fuck does he know that? And he sits down and talks to him, but he gets it's just like kind of these great scenes where he just gets just to sit and talk with the boy uh, I'll not go too much into like what happens from there but it's it's just like another great character another great actor to kind of add to this film that yeah. I never knew he was in it until I started watching it and mm. we've spoke about recently how Adam Driver yeah. is another guy that is always just a bonus to your movie like whether yeah. if it, it's a fucking Star Wars film or the fact that he's now just this um, support an actor in a small indie film um, and to be honest they were my short wee notes on that film do you have any questions you want to ask um, me about the film was the was the, 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 the run time it was it long or was it just your it, 90 minutes pretty much it is I think maybe about 5 or 10 minutes shy of 2 hours right. it, isn't it too bad it doesn't take too much of your time yeah and but. it's not like it doesn't have like one of the periods where it's like kind of like a lull, like with nothing happening, and then no, the I think the mixture with the FBI tracking them, the film cutting between Michael Shannon and Joe Egerton, and then Adam Driver, and then the cult, it kind of mixes up enough that it doesn't lull too long. Yeah, and there's the like they're always going somewhere, but it's never for like long periods. Yeah. And you get a lot of focus on Joe Egerton's character, who I've not really touched much on, but he becomes like a surprisingly deep character because at first they get stopped, uh, like when they leave the motel for the first time and they're driving, and they witness a car accident and they're hesitant to stop because they're on the run and they can't be stopped. And whilst Joe Egerton, Joe Egerton can't help but go out and make sure that people are safe, he's going there. 
and he's just about to phone for help and then a police car shows up and the police car stops and the officer gets out to come over and see if they're okay but he recognises the car that Michael Shannon's in is like the car that abducted the child and he's about to reach for his radio and fucking Michael Shannon's screaming for the car and he's like fucking shut up shut up and Joe Eggers is like just, just get in your car just go away don't you never saw us please then he touched the radio and he goes to the radio and he has to shoot him and you're just thinking like Christ and when you realise later on in the film that he's a, like a, a state trooper, it, it's also doubly hard because it's it's somebody for the law that like he's had to probably go across his own moral codes to do that, to protect that child. Yeah. So he comes off surprisingly good in this film. I couldn't say who steals it because I think F1 is surprisingly equal. Yeah. Like maybe the kid because he does really well uh, in the film and all the stuff that he does and just like all the weird eccentric powers he has. Yeah. Like just the, like the, the the powerful beam of his the light coming from his eyes. There's a scene where early in the film where they get to stay at a a guy's house and the guy was like a used to be a follower from the ranch and he's left and he's got his own life now. But when he heard that they were out, he invited them to come stay with them for a night. And he's one of those guys that what we said like Smeagol with the ring. Mm. He goes in the room and talks to the boy to see if he can get to look into his eyes one more time. Uh. And the whole, like, when that happens, like, of course, everything in the radio is all, anything electrical starts freaking the fuck out. Like, car alarms start going off, all the lights start blowing up. When they run through and find this old man sitting with the boy and the laser, the light shining between the two, the kid's screaming, the man's just screaming. And I think Michael Shan just batters him across the head with, like, just like a candlestick or something just to break the contact with the light. But when the contact's made, the man moves and the boy's light shines and it hits the wall and it just fucking tears the wall off the house. Like yeah. It literally rips the ceiling out of the room. Like that, the power of the energy coming from the boy. And they have to move, they have to leave there and then because yeah. the amount of attention that's just attracted. And when the old ranch members catch up with this old guy and have a look, and it's just like, they're, they're just, the room's so well lit just because there's no fucking ceiling and it's daytime now and they're like... Yeah. Like why? Why did you not tell us that he was here? And he was like, I just, just, and you could just see them like loading the gun as they're sitting talk, quietly talking to him, just because you can't even talk about this now. Uh, so it it has like a surprising darkness to it. But yeah, is it one that you would like recommend to folk? Well, that was it. Initially, I recommended it to my mom and dad because they're always texting me like, tell me what a good film on Netflix is because they've they've got to that point now where they feel they've watched all the good stuff. Ah. Uh, and they've not got to that stage where they want to commit to like a like a box set or a series on Netflix because uh. we've told them like watch Stranger Things like that's enough like they like my mum likes a wee bit of a scare she doesn't like she's always somebody screaming through her hands eh? uh. but I thought Stranger Things is enough where it's not going to freak you but you'll be compelled enough to watch it uh. and they didn't they just end up watching like fucking Netflix own movies. There's like a Chloe Grace Moretz and like my burning brain or something. And oh, it's like, it's like why are you watching that? And they were watching like the Netflix uh, produced Benji movie. But I just think it's because it's shared the same name as our family, Doug. Uh, so she's watching things like that and it's like, no, there's better stuff on Netflix. And I mean, have they watched the, um, <laughs> the Ridiculous Six? No, they did watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil. All right. Yep. My dad was fucking laughing about the bit where he had the the fingers at the end and it was the other the lady finger <laughs> on Alan Tudok. Yeah. Uh, they 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 quite enjoyed that one, so I was glad that they were 
I listened to some of my recommendations, uh, but I did tell them about a Midnight Special. Yeah. And a couple of weeks later, they asked me again, I said, well, what films do you recommend? And it's like, did you watch Midnight Special? I said, aye. And I'll describe it like uh, Sixth Sense. It's like, oh, well, that's the one where the guy's died all the way through, eh? And mum and dad just more or less just tell me the end of the film there, and I was like, I've not fucking watched that yet. <laughs> Thank you for telling me the end of that, mum. Just tell me exactly what happens in the very final scene of the film. Like, uh, cheers, mum. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> It's the last time I recommend or something that I've not seen yet. Uh, <laughs> aye, uh, I would recommend it to folk. Because it's a great showcase to see like Michael Shannon. And the story's compelling enough because I started watching it with Margaret. And we got about 45 minutes in. And the te- the, in- the internet cut out. Like, something went wrong. So my we were watching it through my smart TV. And then, since the internet cut out, the Wi-Fi went on the TV. So it just could not pick up our signal. So that was it. So I had to watch the rest of the film on my iPhone. And which is fine, I've done that before. So I got the Wi-Fi back on there and I finished the rest of it on there. And the next day, I said to Margaret, I said, right, I saw that film, eh? And I went to fucking say something. She said, stop. I want to see what happened in that film myself. Then he'd bother telling me about it. So, uh, like, it, it, it's enough to pique Fox interest. Like, it, uh, it was really compelling enough to find out what happens to this child. Yeah. Without, like, your your, your mum telling you. <laughs> uh, so... Aye, uh, so I won't spoil the end, and I'll leave that out there for folk. But it's it's definitely worth talking about. Uh, now, with this being a wee indie film, how much do you think it costs to make? I'd probably say maybe in between ten and fifteen. Eighteen. Eighteen. Aye, so I guess it isn't it isn't like a, a wee indie film because it has big names. It yeah. has Michael Shannon, Joe Egerton. Kirsten Dunst and Adam Driver. So th- there is, like, no one. Yeah. I was going to say, a- like, A-list celebrities, but not quite A-list celebrities, but there are big Aye. names in Hollywood. Um, Now, how much do you think it made? Do you think it made its money back? 18 million? I think it maybe did, but it maybe just fell short. It done fucking horrible. Aye. Mm-hmm. Uh, domestic, 3.7. Foreign, 2.5. Wow. 6.2 million worldwide. So I made a third, a third of its money back. I reckon if it maybe just done like a, like a festival circuit or... Because yeah. I think I remember it getting a... Th- fuck, I can't remember if it got a theatrical release here or not. I do remember the big deal of it coming out because it was like towards the end of 2016. And I remember folk do like their end of year lists and Midnight Special was like the surprise entrant on a lot of people's lists Aye. and a lot of a lot of people were praising Michael Shannon going fuck this is like people need to see this film now type of thing and that was when I was like ah so Netflix perfect add to the list forget it for a year yeah <laughs> so I have a little one star review slash Amazon please if you ever do your shopping on Amazon please consider going to filmsandswearing.com first uh, click on our Amazon link and do your Amazon shopping as normal. It's a great wee way to support Films and Swearing at no extra cost to yourself. We get a little commission from your shopping and that gives us one of those lovely little Amazon vouchers every once in a while. And it helps especially when we have to rent our movies off of Amazon to watch. <sighs> so that helps us that way. So the one star reviews I have 
I tried to watch this, but I did The Dishes Instead by J.T. Martin. That's, your, that's, your, that's the review. That, that's Brilliant. The, that's the opening line. Alright. Uh, his review goes, Wow, this is actually just a really boring film. Wrapped up to cover over some, uh, air quotes, serious sci-fi by slowing down the dialogue and storyline so much that even a snail might doze off watching it. Mind you, the professional, in brackets, pretentious, Rotten Tomato reviewers will love it. Huh. We dig at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and our last one. It's Midnight, Time for Bed, by Adam Walters. So, super boring, it made me fall asleep. It's a bit like E.T. without the alien, or the excitement, or the cohesive story. Oh, and the most unrewarding ending in cinema history. Enjoy. Alright. So, yes. That is our Amazon One Star Reviews. Mikey, I hand it over to you. Tell us about... I, I kept crying at the shape of the water. Yeah, sort of the... But it is not... I think there was no trivia for... Um, or did you I never it? looked, right, but... Okay. Aye. So, the shape of water, Mike. Yeah. Go and um, tell us. So, the shape of water is directed by um, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, stars um, Sally Hawkins as Eliza Esposito. Michael Shannon as Richard Strickland. Richard Jenkins as Giles, Octavia Spencer as Zelda Fuller, and Doug Jones as Amphibian Man. Yes. And the plot revolves around a janitor at a top secret storage facility that befriends an amphibious being, which has been held captive. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mike, was this the first time watched for you? It was, yeah. And what did you think of the film? Um, I liked it a lot more than what I thought I would have. Yeah? I'm... Oh, so I seen the trailers and I seen the like the buzz it was getting around Oscar season and footwear. Like but also that and three billboards was torn for like best picture yeah. and like and And then the fact it won a whole rake of awards as well. Yeah. And the film ended up being a f- like completely different to what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. I thought it was just gonna be like a I mean, as 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 absurd as it sounds, a woman like kinda like falls in love with like this like amphibious being sort of thing. Mm, this man fish. Yeah. This Aquaman. Not Jason Momoa. <laughs> yes. Sorry. People don't need not, science fiction to believe to fall in love with Jason Momoa. Not wet Jason Momoa. Yes. Because that was. I seen someone on Facebook today about like. We're not going to bother telling you about this film, but wet Jason Momoa is the only reason. <laughs> and then just like women wet. <laughs> Christ. That's a, there's just like, you, yes, there's just people occasionally share just fucking pictures of him in the water. Like, I didn't need to see this. Uh, um, we all know he's got fucking arms up to his chin. Go away. Yeah, but um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I quite enjoyed it. it, it the film had like a, like a a shift in tone as the film went on. Like, the start of the film, it kind of come across as like a like a family type film. Like you would take your kids to go and see it and kind of got a wee bit darker as it yes. as it went on although it would be one of those films where if you watched it with your family it would be slightly embarrassing uh, like in the opening sequence where she decides to rub one out in the bath yeah like, I remember when I was starting watching the film with Margaret and I don't think I was paying attention I was doing something and then I just seen her setting an egg timer and was she just sitting under like a bath tap or sitting with a shower she head sitting like in the bath and I was just like, like the bath was filled up 
And I just turn my head around and go, what the hell is she doing? What? <laughs> is this the shape of water? Just frantic masturbation in bathtubs? What is going on here? I know, it was quite obscure. Eh? I was, it was surprisingly... I wasn't expecting it, yes. to be honest. I was like, that's, that's the mum from Paddington Bear. <laughs> what is she doing? Where's Mr. Brown? <laughs> Marmalade. Marmalade. Is that the safe word? I'm going. To <laughs> is that the word that you're going to like? <laughs> is that the word that you're going to use in the bedroom to like stop yourself? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, no. Oh Jesus. Sorry, my words like my card. Cards, cards and way. <laughs> um, but I am. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think I might possibly go and actually buy it. Cool. Okay. Um, I've seen it once just because of like Oscar season. I yeah. was trying to watch all the films ahead of time. And that, it was like me and Margaret watched that and Three Billboards. And it's like one of those things where Margaret was like, fuck, I can't decide which one is actually the better picture. Like both of them are really, really good films, but they're so fucking different. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I mean, I'm kind of surprised because. Like, although, like, Three Billboards was, like, like perfect fucking, perfect for it, because it's, like, a slightly, like, like, serious, dramatic fucking ah, yeah, dark story take and all that, yeah. right? whereas this one's, like, a... It's almost like a... You can, you have to... It's, it's like, it's a romantic... Yeah, it's, uh, but it's, it's got totally sci-fi element. Sci-fi. It's, it's totally something that's, like... It's probably really surprising that it and, got that much yeah, attention. Yeah, and, and like the one of the other obscure obscure hints is the fact that like the the leading actress is like a a mute yes. in this film. Doesn't speak a word. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Michael Shannon, his character? Um, I genuinely enjoyed his performance in this film. I thought he was fucking brilliant. It I is, thought he was really good. It's one of those roles where like he would be fucking perfect for that role. Yeah. Like, I feel like he did. He came across so similar to his character in Boardwalk Empire, and when I watched it, like that was how he his character was like in that film. He was so fucking serious, and like when he was determined to do something, like that was his fucking goal. Yeah. But I love how they fleshed his character out a bit. Like you got to see a little bit of his home life. Yeah. And even he got a little bit of action in this film. I know, but with like try to like mute her with his like mangled fingers. Aye, but there's. It was. I always just remember the shot where she rewards him with one tit. Yeah. She just takes one tit out for him. Yeah. Like there you go. Like smiling his wife. He's like marmalade, marmalade, marmalade. Or, <laughs> it's like custard. No, <laughs> custard was last week's one. But um, I, I I thought he fucking shined in this family. Aye. What about the fucking shiny car he gets? Aye. That was yeah. a nice wee thing where he gets talked. Because he gets talked into it by the salesman, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like he decides to treat himself. Yeah, see that it's like the best car like you'll ever buy. Aye. Aye. And I, I love how it, like, you get that. And then it's later on when they, they make their fucking escape. And do they know absolute fucking trash his car? Like, yeah. Tear it off and you're just thinking, oh, the wrong person to date it to. <laughs> <laughs> he might have let you away, but no, after you fucking trashed his car. Yeah. Um, I... I actually quite enjoyed uh, Richard Jenkins' role as uh, Giles. Yeah. Aye. Um, I've I've seen a lot of the films he's in, and he's fucking. I think he's actually 
like one of the actors that does make films like a wee bit better as well. Totally. Um, I felt the same last night. Uh, well, this week when I rewatched one of his his recent films that we've spoke about, like he plays a supporting role in that one, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Aye. And yeah. I, I just like fuck. He's brilliant. This. I hope he doesn't die in it. <laughs> and then he just remembers like he's the fucking dad for Step Brothers as well. Aye. Um, I'm trying what other shit he was in. But he, does. he was in Cabin in the Woods as well. He was one of the oh yeah the guys that worked in the facility thing. He, he is. He is one of these fucking brilliant guys that show up in films. Yeah. One of the like darker roles I remember him for. He was, he was in the remake of that Let Let the Right One In. Oh, okay, the vampire one. Yeah, yeah. He was. He played a bit more a darker role in this oh. one. But um, but I thought he was generally quite good in this one. Because mm-hmm. that's it. He was an artist. And yeah. was he out of the closet? Or closet? yeah, you, you couldn't really tell because at first it was like, like a, a when, time period yeah. where. Because what was the time period like in the sixties? Yes, and it was like I, I couldn't really tell because like you had that scene where he um, took Eliza to the the pie shop. Yes, I'd like, like a the wee diner, diner. and mm-hmm. uh, to got like the what as a chef at uh, it was just the most revolting looking fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. What was the pie again? Like key lime pie. That's and it. it's I reckon if that's how they've done it in the sixties, but it's not how they do it now. But it just it looked like jelly. Yes. I don't like, know. It just looked like fucking slime, like green jelly like on with like a bit of sponge or something. Aye. Aye. And they're sitting eating it in the house and she's known that she's knows that enjoying it. And he's like, oh, I'll save it for later and opens his fridge and it's just filled with fucking plates of fucking key lime pie. Because he, cause that's, he's got a thing for like the boy that works there, the, the Aye, man that works yeah. there. Because he actually asked him if he's the real, um, oh, what's the name of the fucking, the diner? It's like, it's like Doug's Diner or something, right, or okay. something like that. Aye. And he asked him if he's the real. The like, real Doug. Yeah, and he's like, nah. And he's, he's like, um, he's like, I'm actually for Ottawa. Aye, because he flirts with him and yeah. then it fucking turns. Like, the guy turns on him quick, doesn't he? Yeah. Aye, it's like one of those moments where you kind of feel sorry for his character. Yeah. But, like, when he was eating the the pie, they were sitting watching um, like the TV and there was, like, a singer on it. And he was talking about saying that if he'd been, like, 18 again, he'd probably hear, like, a chance where or not. Aye. And he was... Kind of looking, and he was like doing like like kind of like like tap dancing with Eliza on the couch, mm-hmm. and his leg crossed over at her leg, and then she pushed him off, and I thought, is he going to try and get in about her or no? Aye, <laughs> Thinking aye. Because she's deaf, well, she's not she's deaf, because she's a mute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she casted. I was like, no one could hear her scream. Yeah. Aye. No, thankfully it doesn't get that dark. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Did you recognise the dude for Fargo season three? The world's best dad. I fucking knew I recognised him. Yeah. I knew I recognised him. He was the Russian guy. Yeah, yes. Like Bob. Aye. Bob, that was his name. Mm-hmm. I fucking thought that. Well, I didn't ask who it was, but I was like, Cause he, I recognise him. Aye, because he was like like a scientist or somebody that worked in the facility, wasn't he? Aye. Aye. I tell you, there was one weekend where I saw that man three times in everything I was watching. I was watching uh, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, that uh, was... he was. He's the father of that Timothy Chamelay. Yeah. Um, Shaping the War, where he played this scientist. 
in the underground facility, and then we were watching season three of Argo, and I was yeah. like, I, I recognise that voice. Like, I've seen everything he's done this year. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, this boy's agent is must be like fucking yeah. doing brilliant. This guy's in everything. I fucking thought I recognised him, and I, I never bore looking him up. Ah, uh, Michael Shannon's no forcing to drink a cup of piss though. <laughs> Oh, uh, if no, Nibby's, I'm, no, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it and see if I actually properly fucking picture him in it. But I like, again, like people probably hear it week in, week out. But if you ever get the chance to watch season three of Fargo on Netflix, please do so. Yeah. You will not regret it. But um, well, I guess we have to talk about the fish. Yeah, like the <laughs> the, the the whole design and. It's one Aye. of those things where that's Gilmero del Toro's strong suit. Ah, yeah, that's like he's. I've I've not seen Pan's Labyrinth. I, mm-hmm. I I think it's. I don't know what put me off seeing the film. I reckon if it's because it's just something that's Disney like float my boat like a dark or fantasy. Yeah, it's Spanish. Well, I'm trying to think of the stuff he's done. I mean, I seen Blade Two. Yeah, I kind of love Blade Two actually. Um, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, I thought was pretty good. Uh, Crimson Peak. I've still not seen that. I, I it was on Netflix as well. Surprisingly eh? enjoyed. I I watched it on Now TV. With as I've mentioned in that last week's episode, it was I had three days left on the store. It was going yeah. to fall off, and then the next day I got an email for Netflix, and here's a movie you might like. Yeah. So it obviously just went from one service to another. because uh, it was um, is it that Jessica Chastain? Was Jessica that Chastain. Charlie Tom Hannum, Tom Hiddleston, uh, there's there's more, there's a couple more familiar. Ron in that? I don't think no. so. Obviously Hellboy as well. Of course, I yeah. he done those. Um, but Crimson Peak was like a like a dark gothic tale and that was one of the big surprise announcements for Arrow last week. Was Aye. they're doing a special edition of it. And yeah. It's so weird for them to do it to like a modern film. Yeah. I kind of feel that I, I shouldn't buy it because I've not seen the film. Yes. But don't then I'm thinking, like, commit like, the like the stuff where it does look pretty good. And I know, they, they have done a good service, and when you look at the comments, obviously, like, this film doesn't deserve this. Yeah. But I would definitely, hey, we watch it first. Aye. Um, but it, it's just like his imagination and his art style and things like that and the way it comes across it's just yeah because I always remember on Pan's Labyrinth it's the thing really the, the eyes and the, the eyes hands. and the palms yes yeah ah, he, he has that fucking weird gothic imagination that an art it's style it's kind of like that the, almost this a generation's uh, Tim Burton aye that, that possibly because that's the Tim Burton's not really the same now as he was back in the day like Edward yeah. Scissorhands yeah. whereas Guillermo del Toro has like this this similar style, but it, it it's almost darker. Where he's he's not afraid to take it to like fifteen rated films or yeah. But um, got any love for Sally Hawkins? And how did she do in this? Um, she was alright. I mean, obviously, she was like the mute, obviously, but um, fascination with eggs, <laughs> kind of casual wank in the bath. Aye, and it's like one of those things where. I never thought of her as a surprisingly attractive woman until, I, I think kind of, that seems right, until I've seen her in the skirt. I was like, Christ for parents, mum, you're doing all right. Uh, um, I, I do love that moment where it's her and Octavia Spencer the next day and she's trying to explain his fish dick yeah. to her. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
I mean, like in my in my notes, I think that's like I think that's my only like grievance to the film is like it's like I, I, I didn't buy the whole like like them like shagging that because obviously it's a it's a, a fish man like obviously he didn't really can but it's it's just like outlandish like that's my only like it's negative thing for the so film so fucking out there aye yeah I mean like the conversations that she has with like OT Octavia Spencer with Zelda um, like they've obviously worked there for a while aye and, and like it's when the um, it's when you first see uh, Strickland Mm-hmm. When they bring in the like amphibious man, and then you hear them like the next day, like that whole commotion in the room. Aye. And he like walks out, and he's like completely covered in blood. Aye, missing the fingers. Yeah, and it's like they've been dealt the task of fucking mopping up the the blood. Yeah, the area, and then she finds his like two fingers, with, like one with like his wedding ring on it. Aye. Now I remember Octavia Spencer gets a great scene because I always remember her having arguments with her husband. Yeah. Aye, I didn't think you see her husband till like the very end. Aye, and is there not a moment where she has to stand up to him? Or am I thinking of another film? Like, she's trying to use the phone and he's shouting at her in the background. Aye. Yeah, it's in, that, it's in that scene where it's at the end where they find out what's happening and uh, Strickland's after them. Yeah. It's once um, Strickland kills um, what was with his dad. Oh, yeah, aye, the scientist. Yeah, aye. And... Um, it cuts to Zelda in the house and she phones. Is she trying to warn? Yeah, tries to warn. Um, is it Esmeralda? No. Oh, it's Esposito. Yeah. Justin Bieber. I can't. Fucking uh, Eliza. Eliza. And also tells her that they're coming for her. Yes. But and is that when Strickland gets in there first? Yeah. Because I, I just remember somebody coming in and fucking telling her husband to sit down and shut up. Aye. And he fucking sits down and shut up. And then he basically. Up. Tells him, like, he gives up the ghost that it was Zayn that done it. Aye. And Aye. so I assume she's kind of like, like, oh, like, like, like you've said nothing for 10 years and now you want to talk. Aye. Aye. She, she's always like one of those great actresses that does really well, like, in the right project, because I watched her in uh, Hidden Figures. Uh, uh, like, about the story about the, like, the black women in behind the NASA missions. And that was a surprisingly good film, and she had like a good part of that. But I'm trying to think of there and I've actually seen it, but I can't. I think quite she's. My, my I've never seen it. The Help, but I think that's the famous one. Mm, that's where Emma Stone. Yeah, I've um, never seen that one. Um, I mean, is it fair to say? Does who steals the film? Ah, it's fucking Shannon. Eh? Shannon, that's Shannon's fucking outstanding in this film. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's obviously like. Gets his fingers back, and um, well, is there not like a bit where he's like sniffing them, going like the fingers are decaying? Aye, they're basically decomposing them. Aye, and uh, but it's it's just you kind of like when you see him, as that scene where you see him in the toilet, mm-hmm. and he's like standing here in a piss and all that, and Aye. he's like standing here with his hips, like manly. Yeah, hey, I've got a big dick. Aye, I just let it. And he's got the, he's got the like the trunk, like the cattle prod. Yes. On the table. And, and that's why the ladies are in the bathroom like, cleaning it. He calls it like the black dingus. Aye. Because that's it. It's like, it's at that period as well where it's, I mean, still like one of those things where it's, like, it's still openly used. Yeah. But. Oh, because what is it they're talking about? They're talking to Zelda and I am like, I am like, you're an only child and she's like, yeah, and it's like, isn't that uncommon for you people? 
Mm. Aye. And she's like, aye, well, okay, my mum died like pretty much once I was born. Aye, but he, he plays one of those proper cunts, eh? Aye. And it's like roles like that he fucking does brilliant in. Yeah. I, I remember cats getting killed in this film. Oh, yeah, it's when they, um, it's when they finally break him out and aye. he's in the flat with Giles and all that. Aye. aye. And he, he kind of like hears like a noise and he turns and like the cat's like hanging out his mouth, oh, messing his head. It, it's like one of those things where you could laugh at, but it's like, holy, it's a, it's a horrible visual. <laughs> yeah. And like the thing just gets freaked out and runs away. Oh, and I was thinking, like, I kind of had like a laugh. Like, it was like, I, like you kind of wondering if it was played for laughs or yeah. no. Because he just turns with like the cat. Like missing its head, aye. Like covered in blood and all that, but obviously it doesn't care what it's doing. Ah, exactly. It's just oh, food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where it runs past, it fucking rips his arm. Eh? Yes. And it's it's weird. It's got like weird powers as well because Jenkins is like wearing like a fucking a, a toupee most of the film because he's like balding. Aye. And it's when he um, it's when like the amphibian thing like like grabs hold of him touches him and then it's like all these wee like electrolytes on his like, skin or whatever like lighting up and it's like the next morning he wakes up and he sees his toupee on the on the mantelpiece and he's like feeling his head and he's actually got like proper hair aye and he takes his like dressing off he's and all healed yeah completely healed aye it is it's, it's funny it's like one of those little feel good films yeah where like it is like a pleasant watch because when you're watching it I think some people are probably put off watching it because it's a woman and a fish. Yeah. But there is such a great story around it. Yeah. I think the whole, like, the, the Russian side with all the, like, the Russian spies and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's a wee bit of an interesting, like, scenario as well. That all kind of comes to, like, a big climax at the end, does it, on, like, a dock? Or yeah. Because when they go and visit, um, what's his name? Bob. Yes. And he offers them, like, this butter cake or whatever and he kind of he sees the guns and he thinks he's going to be getting killed so when he's like cutting the cake he puts like the cake knife behind his heart like behind his back and he's just kind of waiting but then because they're, like, they're waiting to like extract him yeah because yeah, I think they're actually looking for the fish as well mm-hmm. but um, and then you're right it does like come to a standstill at the end because when they first meet him they use the code word um, can't remember what the code word was marmalade Yes, marmalade, lemon curd, yes. jam. <laughs> marmite. Marmite, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, and then he just like shoots them. And then just as he's ready to get gunned down, Shannon comes out and like, plugs the two of them. Aye. And then it's like the guy's like shot in the face, and Shannon fucking reaches in and sticks his fingers through the bullet hole in his face and like fucking drags him along by the, like, by the face. Fucking hell. And like you're saying, like he plays the role with a dick so well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I had never won anything for cinematography because it was Blade Runner that got that. Yes, but the cinematography and it was really well, like really well done. Mm-hmm. What about the the score? Because I remember the score I got, being. Um, I got an Academy Award for that as well. I, the score it was it's quite like majestic in a way. It was. I, it's like a piano. And aye, it does. It has like a. a it has. It sounds like it's appropriate for the time period. Yeah. And it has like an eerie quality to it where it's almost like that Gilmero yeah. del Toro f- flavour. But yeah. it also, I reckon if it's just the the marketing campaigns, the the way it was filmed and like the, maybe like the, the 
Go set the color tones, like the light, it just, ah, color tones probably the best way to say it, but it reminded me of Bioshock. Sorry, did I just take that away from you? Like, top, like the top note. Oh yes, like, the opening reminds me of Bioshock. Ah, ah, it's just like the whole underwater thing. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Totally has that vibe set where you just think, I, I know who I want to direct the, the Bioshock film now. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well, obviously, you get that whole, like, because also the flat that ends above a above a cinema, eh? yes, and it's that like outrageous scene where she decides to like fuck. It. I'm gonna fuck this fish, yeah, but I wanna fuck him in a room full of water. Alright, let's just tuck a towel against the door. As if a towel was gonna do anything, and it's, it's the old guy is downstairs in the form that's sleeping, where he's like face up in the water drips into his mouth, and he kind of like chokes a wee bit. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you see the owner of the cinema like rapping on the door. Aye. And then it just, it was just like one of those fantasy romantic things where it just like, where it's almost like a dream sequence, but they're, they're actually doing it, they're just fucking yeah. absolute, because does the ceiling fall through or no, they open the door. And yeah, all yeah fucking... Jenkins opens the door and it just like floods through. Aye. Because he's like, ah, it's just a burst pipe, but then he walks through the room and like the water's absolutely strewn out everywhere. Yeah. Aye, uh, it is. You could bits like that. You could say that look proper daft out of context. Yeah. But so, is that well, we have to we, we have to obviously we've spoke about it lately already. But did the film deserve the amount of attention that it got during the awards season? Do you think it deserves all the awards that it was given? Um, I find it strange for it to get like that best much film, notice. Aye, best film and. Maybe best director as well because it kind of like for me it's not a film that I would have can put as his best film well nah not even that but a film like, like with the type of like like the type of story it's telling obviously. ah you wouldn't expect that to be an Oscar ah like that's what I was saying like I was expecting like say you're um, like coming by your name and mm-hmm. the more artier sophisticated yeah. choice aye and what is that I'm, I'm chuffed for him to get all yeah. that because that that's a nice career moment for him because there's act, actors and directors that it felt like it was overdue like when you had like Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. like their Oscars were so overdue and then by the time yeah. they got them it was like they should have got yeah, like, years I think when, um, when Scorsese got Best Director the part that got Best Film the same night aye and I think I think that might have been I think that didn't happen until then and then like this year but I could be wrong though mm. And they're like, and there's Guillermo del Toro got in it now. So yeah. that's brilliant for him because I was gonna say now I was gonna say now the pressure's off, but now he's probably been flooded with offers because as we said, like Pinocchio's yeah. on his desk, so that's probably Disney. Yeah, are reaching out with like we want a live another live action remake. Just don't have sex with Pinocchio, please. Mm. Geppetto, we're watching you. Yes. Get your hands off that wooden boy. <laughs> um, but I was uh, reasonably happy with the film. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think the budget for this one is? Sixty-five. Uh, wow, the budget for this one was twenty million dollars. I will shut my purse. <laughs> twenty. Million. I'll get my coats. <laughs> Pick up my jar um, in the morning. Do you reckon it made his money back? Yes. Aye, spades. Um. However, like I, I kind of I feel that I probably made the right amount. I, I wouldn't have thought it would have made any more than that. But domestically, it took sixty three point eight million. 
and for market with 131.3 so it was 194 decent overall so aye that's what almost at the 200 mark yeah aye and I mean I, I, I think that's maybe I was going to say that's maybe Del Toro's most expensive one but it's not him Pacific Rim's aye well and yes yeah. aye maybe even like Hellboy and stuff ah definitely uh, trivia um, the interior theatre scenes mm-hmm was filmed at the Elgin Theatre in Toronto. Oh, right, okay. Um, which was the same theatre that it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. Right. There was a second there. So folk were watching it like, in the theatre the the that it filmed in. Amazing. Because it was filmed entirely in Canada. Aye. Ah. Which is why the guy says it was for Ottawa. Right, okay. Um, we've spooked the cats. I there was honestly a moment where I thought you were going to say it was the same theatre as Last Action Hero. I was about to fall off my seat. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> the old rickety theatre that the boy goes to. Uh, um, Shape in the Water became the first film to win Best Picture in the category for science fiction. Ah, right, I yeah. guess. Aye, because well, that's it is is. Well, there's nothing else to compare yeah, it to. That's, that's what I mean. Usually, it's like your art area, like the like artist biography, true yes, story, sort exactly. of stuff. Uh, it's usually pretty obvious. Or what? even animated for like the Lion King and stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. So for for that to get, I guess that was a big yeah. one because obviously there's now that new category they announced for the Oscars. I uh, popular film. Yeah, I think that's going to ruin the fucking Oscars. Like, I know it's just going to be like. Here's your chance I to nominate Marvel. That, I bet the folk that have made the Maggie were like, come on, come <laughs> on. Aye. Uh, most popular Sharknado rip-off. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, the design of the creature was heavily based on a creature for the Black Lagoon. Oh, right. I can see that. Um, there was a, a part of the dialogue when um, Michael Shannon's character was talking about it and he was talking about how we dragged it for the Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> That was and that was one of the locations in the black, the creature for the Black Lagoon was around right. the Amazon like, yeah. rainforest and stuff, and it kind of looks a wee bit like it if you see like if you go back and watch like clips of like creature mm-hmm. for the Black Lagoon, it's obviously it's clearly a man in a suit, yes. obviously, but, but it's just I like the what was it the comparison of was it similar to the creature? Can I remember the name? But it was the fish guy from Hellboy, where it because I think it's the same actor. I think it's Doug Jones Aye. that done those roles in Hellboy, and it was like Niles from Frasier was the voice, Aye. but it was like a, a slender. Aye, blue. I know, I know what you're on about. I can't remember the name of the character, but I mind mean, people. Yeah, were I never said teasing it as like a that guy's origin story. Yeah, before and, he teamed up with Hellboy. Yeah, and um. Giles was originally written for Ian McKellen. Ah. That would have been quite interesting. Yeah, I could almost see that. It's no stretch being an old gay man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was your notes? Yeah, that's me pretty much good to go. Okay. Uh, so next time on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, it will be a joint review of The Iceman. Uh, the... 
I guess one of the true crime stories. Yeah. And another one with Michael Shannon as the lead actor. Yeah. So look forward to a joint review of that. And as we mentioned last week, episode 200 of the Films and Swear Movie podcast will be a Kurt Russell season. Six films and one episode. We've already revealed that our first review will be Soldier from yeah. Paul W.S. Anderson. And we could reveal tonight that a second review will be Bone Tomahawk. I, I can't remember the name of the director. It's a three-barrel. It's S. Oh, he uh, fucking... Was it S. Craig Zayer or something? Um, so he, that was... He directed something recently as well. The 99 Cell Block. Aye. Aye. No, um, Brawl and Cell Block 99. That's it. Aye. Uh, yes, so that was it. That's his new... One of his current ones. Um, so yes, Soldier, Bone Tomahawk, those podcasts have been recorded and they are ready yeah. to be slotted in yep. to episode 200 pump you through cut <laughs> yep I just need to find a pun to say something Russell but yes um, alright so that's it tune in next week to find out what the third review will be for that episode and that review of Bone Tomahawk is with myself and podcast on fires Tom KW Another previous guest host on Films and Swearing. So, I guess it's just time for shout-outs. Social media, at FAS Podcast. You could find us on Facebook, Internet. Wait. Facebook and... Instagram. Let's get to that point of the night where the, the brain is shutting down. Yeah. So, yes. Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Shout outs to Paul Loudon for our episode artwork. David Lopan for the theme music, Mags, Kenny, Carol and Stu for supporting us on Patreon, and Magic Mike, and you, the listener. Yep. Fuck off and tune in next week, Marmalade. Oh no. I, 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 that was not a cold word saying I'm finished. We're finished the episode, but I'm not finished yet. Marmite. Marmite. Oh. <laughs> get get shell with a dish tool, get... You got slipping that. Bring out the tubs of stork. Oh, that's a shape in the water. And that pun made no sense, but I just wanted to say. Ah, uh, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Let's just end that one out. Let's just end this here. Mm.